Thank you, choir people. And I saw the dance thing going on over here. I'm just going to say, I saw the dance thing going on over here. You all should take lessons from the dance thing that was going on over here. My name is Nita. I think I know most of you, but I also think there are some out here that I have not met yet, so I look forward to doing that. And we have people who seem to be gravitating back home for the winter. So if you are one of those, welcome. And it is good to have you back with us again today. Today, I don't know how many of you know this, but how many of you know that today is the 12th day of Christmas? Okay, a few hands went up there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that song, which don't, don't worry, we are not going to sing. We do that once a year, and this is not the day. But, um, but today is the 12th day of Christmas. And it actually is quite a meaningful day. It's one of those things that in, in my growing up, and admittedly, I left, I left traditional church when I was in sixth grade. So if we hadn't done it by the time sixth grade rolled around in my Baptist church, I didn't do it. So I don't know. Some of you will come from faith traditions where today is probably recognized as a more holy day than it is in some places. But today is what is called, sometimes it's called Three Kings Day, and sometimes it's, it's more widely known as Epiphany. And it's called Three Kings Day because this is traditionally celebrated as the day that the Magi arrived to celebrate the baby Jesus. And um, I'm going to just read for you today our... A lot of you know the Daily Word, our little magazine that, uh, that quite frankly, I don't read out of very often. <laughs> uh, but that's, our da- that's Unity's Daily Devotional. And one of our, um, I'm just going to say sort of our metaphysician-in-chief at this point in time, Paul Hasselbeck, who many of us had as, uh, as an instructor at Unity Village, and he is the author of Unity's current metaphysics textbook. He also publishes, with Unity's permission, what he calls the absolute word. Something that a lot of people don't understand or realize about the Daily Word is that it is actually an outreach ministry of unity. And there are a whole lot more people who read Daily Word who are not unity people than than we are. So Paul, and, and because of that, the Daily Word's mission is to be as widely accessible to as many people of whatever faith as there are. Paul's mission is that those of us who are in unity and who are aligned with new thought principles ought to be actually learning our theology as opposed to the, the wonderful mission that the Daily Word has for people of all faith. So he publishes on his website what he calls the absolute word. And so today, this is Paul's uh, message for Epiphany. And what it means, most of, you, uh, most of you who are readers probably have come upon that word before. It's not one that we hear a whole lot. But it kind of means like, I get it. It's kind of an aha thing. And so, Epiphany, I celebrate new possibilities now born in me. Epiphany is the Christian feast commemorating the visit of the Magi to the baby Jesus, as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. 
Having followed a star, they came to worship him, bringing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Epiphany, also called Three Kings Day, falls 12 days after Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, and it's another time to recognize the Christ in each and every one of us. So this day of Epiphany is when we really, we've kind of been through the Christmas thing, we've done all that, it's had a little bit of time to sink in, and this is where we kind of go, oh, I get it, it's in me. It's in me. So, metaphysically, magi represent my intuitive wisdom honoring the truth in me. Gold celebrates the riches of spirit or divine ideas. Frankincense recognizes the infinite beauty of spirit. And myrrh symbolizes the timelessness or eternity of spirit. And so his affirmation, while my divine identity is so much more than my human self. My divinity is not separate from my humanity. In fact, I use my human self to reveal my divinity and more of my spiritual purpose, and I now celebrate new possibilities being born in me. So this is a day each year that when we look at the cycle there's there's a cycle, you know, we've all we all recognize that, you know, spring is going to come even though there was snow and it's rainy, but that rain is all feeding the new growth we're going to see in the spring, and then after the spring will follow the summer and the fall and that. There is a spiritual cycle within each one of us that correlates in great part to that. And so we have come from Thanksgiving which is celebrated at the time of the abundance of harvest, we've then moved into the darkness and the coldness of winter. But it's a coldness and a darkness that we intuitively know will lead us to new growth and new possibilities. So the way I have always kind of looked at Epiphany, um, you know, for those of us who have brought home a new baby at some point, or, you know, I could say a new puppy as well, Um, or maybe a new partner, who knows. We have lived our lives according to one set of understandings. We have lived our lives according to a certain pattern. And all of a sudden, thinking back to Christmas now, all of a sudden we're birthing something new in our life. And at that time it's like a, a yay, all the sparkly ornaments and all of the celebrations and the Christmas carols and everybody, you know, everybody when you have a new baby wants to come visit in those first two weeks. And, and you know, when you get the new puppy, all the, your other family members are just oohing and on over how cute it is every time it doesn't know what to do, what to go outside for. And every time it chews something up, it's like, oh, but it's so cute, you know. Everybody's kind of in this honeymoon phase. And then, The novelty wears off. We have time to rest a little bit after all of this, you know, the the sort of tsunami that the holidays are. And at some point then all the guests go home. We've eaten the last of the fudge and the cookies and all of that kind of stuff. And then we're sitting in our house all by ourselves one day and then the baby cries or the puppy shows up. Or the partner walks in where maybe you weren't always expecting someone to be there. And it's in that moment you go, oh, I get it. This is my life now. 
This is my life now. And so with that awareness of the Christ within us, there's that similar process. We come into truth. We, we're all excited. It's like, oh, this is great. I'm getting parking places at Costco. It's wonderful. And then at a point, we're kind of still. And we realize all of a sudden, oh, it's in me. It's in me. It's not separate. It's not outside. Yes, whatever is that, that one presence, that one power that is within us is, is everywhere present. But it's not something separate and outside. And as Paul mentioned in his affirmation, our humanity is not separate from our divinity. We are expressing our divinity through our humanity. Charles Fillmore even referred to the ego as the gatekeeper of spirit. Because if we can't befriend our ego enough for it to rest and and stand down, it will just slam shut every time we try to enhance the way that we show up spiritually in the world. So this is Epiphany. On uh, it's the twelfth day of Christmas, and and it's something that I hope that from this point forward, maybe every now and again, you'll kind of pause and go, "Oh yeah, it's in me. It's in me." And so we open each week's service with an affirmation to reinforce that. And so let's go into that. And we have, th- these are the words that we speak. It's, an, it's, a, it's a tweaking from the Bible by Charles Fillmore, which has then been further tweaked by me and by you guys, as people have made comments to me. And so I'm going to invite you to just truly touch that space of awareness, whatever that means to you. And speak with me this blessing. Releasing the things that are behind, I realize I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. I am the infinite expressing at the point I am. I am peace in the midst of all matters. And so it is. And that last line, you know, that's one that you might want to write down about a thousand times and keep handy. uh, Because truly, no matter what is going on, it is that Christ nature within you that allows you to be the presence of peace no matter what. And I believe that's a whole big part of our work that we are to do here. So it's a new year. We've made that, we've made yet another trip around the sun. And, and so this is our time sometimes of regrounding ourselves and of looking at our lives, reassessing. There's just something about endings and beginnings that, that we as humans in our humanity seem to want to acknowledge. We kind of want to take stock. What were the things I accomplished last year? What were the lessons that I learned? What are my growing edges? What do I feel that perhaps this year it would be good for me to focus my intentions upon? And because we are all about practical spirituality here, this is a time of year that I generally will revisit some of our basics and some of our basic tools and what really are our basic concepts and beliefs. A lot of times, you know, there's a lot of variation. And I know those of you who travel... 
and visit other unity centers, you see that variation. You will walk into some, some unity centers that are really, really fairly traditional in their languaging and in their wording. You will walk into others where maybe it kind of, you're wondering, okay, well, what's really going on here anyway? And then you'll walk into others like ours where the language is probably not going to be what you're really used to and where you may find yourself challenged sometimes. Not that we don't find ourselves challenged all along, but because unity does have a theology and because unity does not believe in dogma, which means basically telling you you have to believe this or else. You know, there's no creed that you have to agree to. Really, if we have if we have a, a dogmatic creedal requirement, it is that we respect everyone's individual spiritual path. It doesn't mean that we will necessarily. Um, do things in the way that someone who walks in and disagrees with us will say. I mean, as, in, as one example, several years ago, there was a gentleman who came here for quite a while, and he finally asked to speak to me one day, and he told me, he said, are you, how, are you actually aware of how wrong you are when you stand up there and talk? <laughs> and he, he was quite serious. He was trying to be helpful, letting me know how truly ignorant I was. And I, I said, well... Can you give me an example? And so he said, well, right off, right off, he said, there, there is no connection between us. We are absolutely separate. There is no, there, this one thing you keep talking about just is not. And I said, well, as humans, we live in separate bodies. You know, that is true. But, but that's not what I'm talking about. And he proceeded to sort of stake out how wrong we were on everything that we teach. And so I told him, I, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation, um, <laughs> you know. And I said, however, I assure you that what I am teaching is in alignment with Unity's theology. And since it's a Unity name over the door, and since I have been educated and credentialed in Unity, um, I'm not going to start teaching something else that doesn't fit into that. And he, he was really adamant that he was just trying to help me. And I thanked him, and I believe he was sincere. But the next week he came back and he said, but you're still teaching the same way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I finally had to actually say the words to him, perhaps you've walked in the wrong door. We welcome you. You are absolutely, we are absolutely serious about that sign on our front door that everyone is welcome here and everyone will be respected here. But we don't teach everything that everyone believes because unity's theology is different. And for me, that's what resonates with me. And I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that that's kind of what resonates with you or you would not be here either, unless you're here with a friend, and in which case, thank you for coming. And, and I hope you will still find something that you can take home and, and be helpful to you. As I've shared many times, when Unity was first beginning, it was never intended to be a separate denomination. It was intended to be helpful education that you could learn how this, these spiritual principles work 
and then apply them to your path in your traditional faith and what has happened over the course of time, of course. And in fact, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore didn't even have morning services. They had afternoon services telling everyone to go to your, go to your churches, have lunch, and then come, come learn spiritual tools from us. So things have sort of shifted over the years. And, and, but I'm still gonna, I am still gonna stay convinced that it's our grounding in teaching spiritual principles which is what is the most important thing. So today we are going to start a series. And, and so there is something that happens to a lot of Unity people. This has probably happened to you at some point. Maybe, you're, maybe you've just had a wonderful time or maybe you haven't had a wonderful time, but whatever, you're talking to a friend who does not attend Unity and they, they may ask you, well, what is that church you go to anyway? And you kind of sit there and go, well, well, you know, they're really nice. And we really believe that, you know, everyone is, you know, good. And then about that point, they probably say, oh, really? I don't see evidence that everyone is really good. And, and, and we can't really articulate what the bones of our faith, what the bones of our theology is. And so this, this became really clear to me when I went, presented myself at Unity Village for my first week of uh, intensive teacher training. And with Paul Hasselbeck in advanced metaphysics, he stood at the front of the class and he said, okay, so you've all made it here. You've probably been in airplanes and on elevators and this and that. So if I'm the guy sitting in the seat next to you and I see you with your Unity bag and I ask you, what is Unity? And you say, oh, well, I'm going to do my classes to become a licensed teacher in Unity. He goes, oh, well, that's interesting. What do you believe? And this whole room of people who had already had quite a bit of education and quite a bit of background, we all sort of sat sat there. And he said, really, what's your, like, two-minute airplane talk? What's your elevator talk? How do you explain what Unity is? to someone without going well you know it's about healing and prayer and we you know we meditate and and we believe that what our thoughts help you know i mean the kind of go <laughs> and so paul just simply stood there at the front of the room as we sort of were like melting down into our seats because none of us had a good a good uh, quick quick thing and finally one woman way back at the back of the room goes uh, am I the only one that learned about umpa? And the rest of us were kind of like, well, yeah, apparently so. And and so this is a this is a mnemonic that people came up with at some point that will help us key ourselves to what Unity's five basic principles are. And really, really, what we have are four principles and an action step really but but we call them our five principles and so they are in a nutshell if you've ever wondered what really is it that unity believes here it is in very few words we believe that there is one power one presence active in the world and when you're speaking to people who do not under, who do not know unity 
this translates very easily to something they can believe in. You know, we believe that there, we believe there is a power, a presence that's greater than just the human, the humans that are here. And we call it all different names. Some people call it God. Some people call it Buddha, mind, you know, all sorts of names. We believe that as opposed to original sin, we believe we are born originally good. That if indeed we are created in the image and the likeness of God, if God is good, then what must we be as well? We must also be good. We believe that the law of, that through the law of mind action, that the thoughts and the feelings that we hold within consciousness create our experience of human life in this world. And we'll talk more about that in a few weeks, but I want to make very clear, most of us want to be very explicit when we get to this one, that creating your experience does not necessarily mean you created the situation or the circumstance. Hear that very clearly. Please do not, if you have gotten laid off your job or your house is being repossessed or you've just gotten a a really challenging diagnosis, do not go to the place of, well, what was I holding in consciousness that made this thing happen to me? We live in a world of humans who do human things and who do not all believe the same way we do. And there is a collective consciousness in humankind. And the fact that someone steps off the curb and gets run over by a bus does not mean that that person was holding a thought in their mind of, I guess one of these days I'm going to get run over by a bus. And that they made the bus run over them. They got run over by the bus because either they weren't paying attention or the bus driver wasn't paying attention or some combination of the two. And that was just a situation that happened. And so when, when the diagnosis happens, when, when the quote bad thing comes into your life, what we say is it's through our choice of thoughts and feelings that we create how we experience that. You all probably know someone whose divorce was the worst thing that ever happened to them and they're still talking about it 40 years later. You probably all also know people whose divorce was absolutely the best thing that ever happened to them and they still can't talk, stop talking about how good it was. The fact in a human realm is that the situations in our lives are primarily neutral. And it's up to us through our minds, through our thoughts, through our feelings to choose how we meet those circumstances. And again, we'll go more into that in a couple of weeks. The P is for prayer and meditation. We believe that prayer and meditation are the ways that we touch and that we center ourselves and that we work with that one power, that one presence, that Christed presence within each one of us. It is through our times of prayer and it is through our times of stillness that we release all of this stuff and remember what is the truth. And the truth is that we are strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. 
The truth is that we are eternal life expressing at the point we are. The truth is that no matter what sort of chaos is going on, we can choose to be grounded in the chaos or we can choose to be centered in truth and be peace in the midst of that. And then our last one is action. Uh, It is also one of our five basics that it's not enough just to know this stuff. Here goes. Guess what? You got to actually do it. You got to actually live it. You know, there there are a lot of us who spent a whole lot of years reading a whole lot of books. We could quote Butterworth and we could quote Fillmore and we could quote everybody and we could say Emily Cady said this and you know this one over here and that one there, but it was all just up here. You know, that that old proverb about the longest journey being the 12 inches from head to heart. This is where we have to actually put feet on our beliefs. So basically everything in unity revolves around some aspect of these five principles. And so for these first weeks of the new year, we're going to just look at one of them each week. So next slide please, Larry. So this one power, one presence thing. We know that there is something beyond just this physical realm. And one of the ways that we talk about this one power, one presence, and how it works in our life is by understanding and recognizing that we always, everyone, kind of have one foot in each of two different experiences of life. There's the relative world here where we can touch things and we can move chairs around and we can feel when we hug someone, we can hug and we can feel that body. We can go shopping for cars. We wrap presents under the trees. All of that. That's in the relative world. And something that we know about things in the relative world which I, I decided I was going to throw a little mental snit myself this morning, and I just had to remember everything in the outer world changes. And if I think everything is going to stay frozen in time, just the way I want it to be, what's going to happen to me? At some point I'm going to be terribly upset because this isn't the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it's been. I don't like this new way. I don't want to have to find a new way to be. I want to be able to be exactly the way I've always been. And have I even always been the same way I always am? Of course not. But in the world of relative stuff, everything that had a beginning is going to have an ending. And I hope I'm not the first one to tell you this, but this includes you and me. Our experience as humans here had a beginning... And it will have an ending. It doesn't mean that we, the truth of us, are gone. Because we are that one presence, that one power, which is timeless, which is eternal, which lives within each and every one of us. And there is no time, space, or distance. And we call that the realm of the absolute. Because that's what we can count on. We can count on 
that there is an energy in the universe of life. We can count on that there is an energy in life that allows us to be creative, that gives us strength to do what we need to do. We can count on the fact that there is something more than just the humans wandering around bumping into each other that we see. And the interesting thing is almost everybody, and certainly everybody pretty much who's aligned with any kind of a faith tradition, pretty much everybody believes this. They just give it a bunch of different names and then fight with each other over what its name actually is. So, call it whatever you want. As I've shared before, and now every time I see George, I kind of like think, okay, there you are, George. I have a friend who calls it George. She takes walks with George. George, our George is not there. But for her, she had to, she had to distance herself from the baggage of the word God. Because like so many of us in here, we were perhaps taught a way about God when we were young that just simply did not fit us. And somehow, we allowed what we were taught as children to just be, in our minds, the facts of the matter forever and ever. Amen. And so many times we don't really revisit what does God actually mean? And so in unity, God is that one power, one presence. We, go, we call it a lot of different things. You'll hear it called good without opposite, wholeness, the infinite. You may call it divine mind. You may call it the universe. You may call it spirit. Some people will call it Buddha mind. And mind that I relate to the most easily, the infinite field of all possibility and potential. For me, that reminds me that it's not an anthropomorphic being. That reminds me that it's a realm that is including this and all of the relative, but is more than. And it reminds me that when I feel limited, when I feel trapped, when I feel in some way out of sync, that I can simply pause, breathe, and remind myself that beyond the experience I'm having here, there is a realm of the absolute where all things are possible and where no matter how chaotic things may seem right here, right now, I can pause and know that I can claim order. I can claim clarity. I can claim the wisdom that is part of what I am. And I can move forward then from a state of higher understanding and be more, be more effective in my life. So as we move into our time of quieting, this is what I hope you will take into your time of quieting, is simply recognizing what is the absolute highest and best part of you. Each one of us knows that at some point we have been a blessing in someone else's life. In some point in time, you were an angel sent from God to be just exactly what they needed in that moment, even if you didn't know it. But we pause every now and again, and we have to cultivate really the awareness of this Christed beingness that is within us. Because the outer world wants to tell us that we will get filled up from stuff. The outer world wants to tell us that if we buy the right gift or find the right person or read the right book, 
that we will then all of a sudden be okay. And in truth, you already are divine. You already are whole, complete, and perfect. You are already uniquely needed, necessary, and absolutely perfectly expressing what that one presence, that one power needs to express through you. So we'll have a song and become still and simply allow yourselves to use that as your focal point. As always, if you wish to sing, you are welcome. I will leave this world as it is. Go inside to find my God. I will leave this world as it is. Go inside to find my God. I will leave this world as it is. Go inside to find my God. world as it is, go inside to find my God. Inside there is peace, inside there is joy, inside there is more than enough. Inside there is peace, inside there is to release whatever may be weighing on us 
whatever thoughts we may be having about what's gone on earlier this morning or what maybe we'll be encountering later, in this moment, we can simply be still. And in this moment, whatever doubts, whatever fears, whatever worries may be inhabiting our human mind, we can say gently and kindly, thank you. And in this moment, I'm choosing to focus on the Christ within me, that within me which is infinitely capable, that within me which is my connection to all other creatures on the planet and in the universe, to focus on Christ within me, that spark of divinity which is flaming ever more as we focus on it more. We grow that into that flame of divinity within each and every one of us. And we think of what it really means to be strong, to be positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, and free. What does it actually mean to have the presence of peace within us in any moment? And we rest, moving from simply relaxing to focusing on that good within each one of us, that good without opposite which is always present. As we begin this year's journey around the sun, we allow ourselves to remember truth, to recognize that there are a lot of things in the world, there's a lot of stuff, there are a lot of challenges. We allow ourselves to remember that no matter what we do, we will encounter life happening in the human world. And that's as it should be. But we remember also that we have within us, just as the Magi brought gifts in the story to the Christ child, we have already received those gifts of wisdom, of understanding, of peace, of abundance, of life, of love, of wisdom. We have already received those gifts with that Christed beingness within us. 
So we simply claim an intention of willingness to move through this coming year kindly and gently, to remember to pause when perhaps we're tempted to blurt, and to remember that no matter what, we have within us the ability to bring the peace that is at our center into fuller expression. And knowing this, we realize this is the root of our strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free expression of that one presence, that one power, which is everywhere present at all times, never separate. And we give thanks to the teachers who have taught us these things. We embrace in our hearts all of those who have helped us along this journey, all of those who have helped us to claim good lessons so that we may walk more wisely on a brighter path from this point forward. And at this time of year, we celebrate most especially the willingness of our elder brother, our way-shower, Jesus, whom we call the Christ because he appears to have pretty much figured out how to live that in the world. But we know that he is not the only one. We too can do everything that he did and in his own words and more. We give thanks and so it is. Amen. This week I'm sure that probably probably before the day is even over you'll have an opportunity to become just a little bit more aware of perhaps where you are holding an expectation that is not being met. Maybe it's something simple. You know, maybe it's as simple as you think that someone else is home cooking dinner for you and then you're going to find out like, well, no, not so much. And in that moment, when you feel that dissatisfaction, when you feel that sort of, oh, this is not measuring up to really how I thought it ought to be here. Perhaps in that moment you can simply pause, take a breath or two or ten, you know, whatever, whatever the, the dissatisfaction warrants, and just simply remember that, you know, this is temporary. Nothing is going to stay the same here, but if I go within, and if I pause, and if I connect with that, then whatever comes in the outer that I just don't like, because we'll all have stuff we just don't like. Whatever happens, I can ground myself in this realm of the absolute and know that there is that within me which knows exactly what to do, that within me which knows exactly what words to say, that within me that knows exactly when not to say those words. And so this week I hope for your homework that you will be attentive. This is one of the reasons why we practice mindfulness. It's just simply so that we can catch these moments and just go about our lives a little more skillfully than maybe we did before. So, so that's your first, your first grounding. There is nothing eternal outside of that realm of the absolute. And that is what some people will call God. Some will call Allah. It will go by so many names. And the fact is, 
It doesn't matter what name we give it because we are it. So that's it. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for being here today.